Hey everybody, this is Luke, LukeHumphreyRunning.com, and uh, I hope you are all doing well. Today I want to talk a little bit about racing flats. Uh, I've been getting a few questions in our Facebook group, uh, really more about like, am I fast enough to wear them? Does it really make a big difference? And those, those types of things. And so I wanted to give my thoughts on that. And the big thing now for me is that racing flats have just come a long way in, in the in the last few years, right? So, you know, when we talk about racing flats, we're pretty much talking about something that's carbon plated now, right? So we're talking about super shoes and, and things like that. And so when, when people ask these questions, I immediately thought about something that my wife had said regarding her days as a, as a triathlete. And it was basically the fact the effect that if you want to get faster, buy a better bike, right? And so um, that's where I kind of went with it because with the super shoes, it's like, basically if you want to race faster, you know, the easiest way to do that is basically buy speed with a carbon plated super shoe racing flat. And, um, if you fork over the cash, it's, it's almost like buying a few seconds a mile. I mean, well, the faster you are, you know, I was calculating it out for myself and that's, it was anywhere from like six to 10 seconds a mile where, you know, if you go down to, 330 four hour marathon or you're talking about several seconds a mile and you multiply that by 26.2 miles and you're talking minutes off of your personal best without you know you're going into over two the same race in the same shape and with if you wear super shoes you're almost guaranteed being a few minutes faster all else equal right and so if you're a person who's trying to qualify for boston or get into new york or something else you know and you need that extra few minutes, then a hundred percent, it seems like a racing shoe is the way to go. And, um, we'll talk a little bit about it later, but you know, there's, there's always individual circumstances, but, um, but for the most part, it seems like, dang, it's, it's like a no brainer, right? As long as you want to spend, you know, a couple hundred bucks on a pair of shoes, but, um, it's, it's something that you really do seriously have to look at. But, um, the question though, because is it really that simple? And so I think about something that coach and exercise physiologist Pete Fitzinger, I wrote, I read it somewhere a long, long time ago, probably in the old, um, running times magazines, but, uh, it's basically saying that if a racing plant isn't going to help someone unless they were close to the three hour mark in the marathoner. And I don't recall him elaborating too much on that statement, just basically saying that, you know, three hours is kind of his, limit with athletes. If you were close to that three hours, getting a racing flat. If not, you're probably better off in a trainer. Um, but like I said, that was a long time ago and I, that was well before, um, well before the super shoe era. So I wonder, I wonder if that thought has changed at all. Um, you know, at the time when the time he said that you basically had training shoes, light trainers, in racing flats and some some companies didn't even really have the light trainers like i feel like asics was really kind of the only one that had the true light trainer and then nike got, got on board with that a little bit um and then you so you had like your, your standard pegasus shoe and then you had a light trainer and then you had the all-out racing flat was basically you know a piece of paper uh sewn together and you hoped it would make it through the whole the whole race right so like if you were not biomechanically efficient a racing flat really didn't make sense for you because it was going to cause 
way more harm than, than good. But basically you'd go from super heavy to, to paper thin, right? And so, you know, it was in that era where you had uh, you had what was, you know, a true motion control shoe. So I think of the, the Brooks Beast. It was just this cement block of a shoe that had, you know, plastic to, to stop you from rolling in too much, over pronating too much. And then um, uh, big wide platform. So you, you're basically strapped into this thing and your foot's not going anywhere. Um, and then you had all the way down to the racing flats, which were just like as light as they possibly could be, wouldn't hold up very long. Um, they were really just made for just lighter. Being light was what was going to give you the time advantage, right? And it wasn't probably all that much when you consider that you could get 3% just from wearing a pair of shoes now. I guarantee it wasn't 3% then. Um, so, you, you know, so you literally had to weigh that risk and reward scenario. And But now it seems like all shoes, they're built to be lighter, they're built to be faster, they're more resilient, um, despite being a stability type of shoe, right? It's like you could get a neutral shoe, you get a stability shoe, and it's really not that much difference. Like Brooks is a perfect example of that right now where they have the guide rails, right? So you have the Brooks, um, uh, the Ghost, and then you get the Ghost GTS or you have the, the Adrenaline GTS where it just basically doesn't, it doesn't have that traditional stability components that they used to have even a few years ago, but it's more the guide rail system. They're built on pretty much the same platform and they have the same technologies in the shoes, but the one with the guide rails is going to be enough to just keep you from pronating too much that it's going to create injury issues. And then you have the, you know, well, not the Ravenna anymore. It's the launch GTS, um, same type of thing. You had the launch, which was the neutral version you have the launch GTS, which is the, the stability version. And so again, the technologies are the same. The shoes pretty much the same. They don't really weigh that much different. And, you know, you're able to get a lightweight performance-based shoe that's going to perform well, but also keep you biomechanically sound. And then you can get into the whole racing flat between like the, you know, I speak in Brooks because that's what I, I, I've known for so long, but then you have like the, the Hyperion Tempo and then the, uh, the Hyperion Elite. And then now you can throw in the, the Max in there too, which I'm still trying to figure out where that's going to fit in the grand scheme of things. But you can get a shoe that's going to give you performance, but it's also going to give you function where before it was all based on performance in the racing flat category and you weren't going to get much else. Right. And so big, big differences between, between that. All right. So I'll just use myself as an example, because like many of you, I have, I have flat feet. I needed a stability shoe in, in training. Um, I needed to wear an orthotic. If I didn't wear an orthotic, that was always going to be kind of my downfall whenever I get an overuse injury. And if I did get start getting an overuse injury, that was the first thing I looked at. And then, or I, or I would kind of think like, oh, I can run in these shoes. Uh, you know, a perfect example would be like the launch. Like I'm more training in the Brooks Adrenaline, but I can wear the launch for short, easy runs. Well, I could, could for a while, but after a month or two, you know, it, it would, it would catch up to me. Um, plus I was doing a lot of mileage at that time. So I would need a stability shoe. A lot of times I'd have to wear an orthotic for my everyday running. A lot of times I wouldn't wear one for, for workouts and I was just fine. And that's, I'm going to get to the kind of that point. Um, a little bit later on, but, uh, um, basically whenever I thought I could switch out my shoe types, I would get, I would get injured, um, or my orthotic went way too long without getting a new one. Um, so I, the adrenaline was what I'd wore forever. And then my lightweight trainers were the Ravenna, or you can go all the way back to the Axiom when that first came out. 
Um, that was kind of a new a new type of shoe. Um, and that was kind of, I feel like, Brooks's entry point into that lightweight trainer with a little bit of stability. Uh, but now it's, you know, now it's the launch GTS. And I would wear those mostly for long runs that we're, we were going to get after a little bit, right? So we do, you know, 20 miler and our average pace would be, you know, overall pace for the 20 miles would be in the 530s a lot of times. So you were getting after it, right? Like we weren't, we weren't kidding around. Um, and so then from there I would move, I'd wear like the old T7s for the track workout, stuff like that. And then for my strength workouts and my marathon tempos, I'd wear the old racer ST, which was a little wider platform, a little bit of stability in it, a little bit heavier shoe. Um, and, and that's what I would wear. Right. And so now I don't even think I really have those options as far as racing would be, there'd be the Hyperion tempo or the Hyperion elite, which I have shifted into. Like I'll, I'll wear the Hyperion tempos for a lot of stuff. I don't wear the elites for a lot just because I don't, I want to kind of like save that feeling how I get with the, with the, with the super shoe. Um, I want to save that for big workouts. Like I want to use that as like a motivator for a big workout, things like that. Um, but most of the time I just wear the, the Hyperion tempos and I'm, and I'm good, you know? Um, so there's that. So my struggle was all, but my struggle was always this, like I could, could I race in a shoe like the T7 and survive it from a biomechanical standpoint, or would the tiny bit of weight I'd save from these shoes be negated because I break down sooner in the race and there, there'd be no place to hide. Like my, my running economy would fall apart. Like my, my poor biomechanics would catch up to me. And would that would that be more harm than good from wearing the you know by wearing the wrong shoe but getting a little bit of uh, reprieve from the the weight of the shoe, which was better? Like what was going to be more beneficial, that or just wearing an, a slightly heavier shoe but keeping my running economy and biomechanics intact for the whole race? And so and to be honest with you, I ran pretty much the same times in both shoes, right? So it didn't really matter. And so that kind of got me thinking about. Um, my, through my own experience, getting me thinking about like in the athletes that I've coached for over the years, uh, a little bit of, of training theory, right? And so the, my theory on the racing flats is that if you're, if you're wearing the training shoes that are proper to your foot, you have a good chance of staying below that injury thre threshold. Cause it's not a lot of times like with an overuse injury, it's not the one time you do it, right? It's multiple times where you're doing it and never getting, allowing yourself to, to back off of that threshold. Right. So for instance, if I need a stability shoe and I'm used to wearing the adrenaline, but I decide just to wear the Ghost every day, yeah, it's only going to take me a couple weeks for that to catch up to me, right? But if I wear the adrenaline pretty much six out of the seven days a week, or in this case now I could say I could wear the, the adrenaline or the Launch GTS, which is going to give me that stability, if I'm wearing that shoe six out of seven days of the week, and only maybe one day of the week where I'm wearing a shoe like like the Hyperion Tempo, which might not be a great fit biomechanically, but it's such a small percentage of my weekly mileage in that shoe that it's going to take a long time for me to reach that injury threshold, right? And so, and over time, like you do actually, I think you, if you, if you um, filter that in at a gradual pace, you are going to be a little bit stronger. You're going to be a little bit more resilient because you're not overloading the body at one, a bunch of times over the week. You're really only doing it once a week. Um, and some, for some people, you know, but might be once every 10 days, right? So you could really, you can really keep well below that injury threshold for weeks and months on end. And so by the time you get to the race, you're well below that injury threshold. So if you wear 
racing flat during the race, it's not going to be enough to actually cause an injury. And I want to be careful of that because you are running 26 miles. A lot can happen in that. So there's other factors involved too. But um, in this case, uh, I, I personally feel like you can stay well below that injury threshold. Um, like I said, it's no guarantees, but you, but from an overuse standpoint, it's, a, it's, it won't be the small amount you wear on those shoes on race day in the grand picture, grand picture of all your training for that segment is going to do it. Right. Um, and even if you do cross over that potential injury threshold on race day, you will be in a down period afterwards. I'm speaking for the marathon here, but, uh, if you are in that, you race the marathon, you're over that injury threshold, you're a little banged up, you're still taking time off anyway, right? And if you t relieve that stress right away, you're going to heal up fairly, fairly quick. My second point to the theory, my theory is that it, it, you don't have to jump in from a heavy trainer to a super shoe to see an improvement in performance, especially now um, with today's technology and shoes. You can get a shoe that's incredibly light, but still supportive, and you can still provide the responsiveness as a is a flat, right? And so you you might not get the all the benefits of a super shoe, but the midsole technology is the same in a lot of those shoes now. Um, the only th difference is has a carbon plate versus not a carbon plate. And the carbon plate, from what I understand, isn't necessarily where you're getting all of that benefit anyway. It's only a small per percent of that overall benefit of the super shoe. A lot of the technology is in the midsole. And I think the proof you could have from this is the fact that Nike knows, and they, it's pretty clear that there is a um, carbon plate in the in the vapor flies and alpha flies and all that, but you don't know what's actually in the midsole, right? And so that's where that's your tell right there. Like that's where the that's where the the good sauce is, right? The carbon plates share for its you know it provides a service, but it's not the secret sauce of it, right? And so that's where I would say, and most shoe companies now are putting that their technology into most of their midsoles now. Like it's hard to even find a training shoe that doesn't have some sort of that new midsole technology that's going to actually make your performance a little bit better. And, you know, overall, I mean, I would argue that some of the lightweight trainers are nearly as light, if not lighter than what my racing flats were even a few years ago. So if you can get a better shoe with better technology that's still lighter, can still be supportive than what even like a what a, a lightweight trainer was a few years ago, you're going to get benefit from that. Um, the faster you are, the more important it is to be in a shoe where you can almost guarantee an improved performance, right? It would If it could mean the difference between a BQ or any other qualifying time and missing out by a minute, you know, like if you write that BQ, you know, it's going to take a couple minutes to actually get in, you know, it's like almost like buying that anting up into getting into that club, right? It's adding up to getting to that, that table. Um, the stronger you are physically, the more resilient you will be, which goes back to my uh, injury threshold uh, idea. Like if you're well below that injury threshold and you've done the strength work to be more resilient in the calves, the Achilles, front of the, you know, the shins, um, you know, you have your glutes working, doing ha hamstrings, doing a lot of the work. Um, you've, you've really become more resilient, you have good core strength to just kind of keep your form together longer. And that's just going to naturally improve your biomechanics a little bit. Um, that's just even more reasoning that you're going to hold up by wearing a racing flat. Uh, on the flip side of that, the slower you are, the more important it is to maintain form through, through a shoe that fits your needs. Now, um, 
Yeah, I think I think there is a little bit of trade off. I simply say that because you t if you tend to break down at 16 to 18 miles, that's a long way to have to suffer. Uh, and just correlating percentages lost absolute numbers. You were talking about some serious numbers that you're going to lose over the last maybe hour to 90 minutes of a race, right? You're just going to, if you're losing a percent um, versus gaining 3%, that's a 4% swing. That's not going to help you. That, that's a 4% swing to the negative, right? That's not a 4% swing to your improvement, right? So if you're, you were going to get 3% from the shoes, but now you're back to zero because the shoes aren't really supporting you biomechanically and you've broken down faster and you're losing one to 2% because of decreased running economy because your, your form's broken down. That's a lot of time. You're, that's a lot of time swinging in the negative. I'm not going to help you out. Um, the biggest thing for me, I think is like, do, if you've never worn the super shoes, is it worth the risk financially? And I, I mean, you know, for some people, a few hundred dollars isn't a lot for me. Like, that's a family discussion. Like, do we throw down 250 bucks on a pair of shoes that may or may not work, right? Like that could that could cause some some friction there, right? And then you don't have a 100% guarantee that they're going to work. I mean, you look at um, responders versus non-responders and there's some studies out there that show no, but, but for most recreational runners who are heel strikers, they're going to benefit from a, from a shoe like that. So to me, the rep for the, for the average person, um, you're looking at a pretty high percentage that's going to help. For some though, and I will admit this, like the, since they're not used to a stack height that's as big as it is in a super shoe, I mean, they actually had to limit how high you could go on a shoe, right? Um, and it can feel like, you feel like you're like on a platform a little bit and you're going to roll over. Like I, I refer to it as like, it'd be like me learning how to walk in high heels or something, right? Like it's going to be ugly. I'm going to be pretty wobbly. And some people complain about that. And that's a very understandable complaint. And so it definitely took me a couple workouts to get used to it. Um, I will say this, I don't like wearing those shoes on the track. Um, it's just super soft midsole, super soft surface that I'm running on. It's just too squishy. I actually feel like it gave me a little bit of a hamstring issue last fall. Um, so I don't think I'll be wearing super shoes on the track. I know some people racing them. I just don't, I just don't know if I can, right? Um, and that's just more for me wanting to stay healthy. Because the other thing, right? If it, I put myself in a situation where I break down in, in training and I'm not healthy, then that's not going to help me either, right? Um, but the big thing I'm talking about here is just really the few hundred bucks. You got to decide if that's if that's worth it, right? Um, and if it's not, then I would say go back to one of those middle ground issues, right? So if you're used to wearing the adrenalines and you're not just like, man, I don't really want to go to Hyperion Elite, I'm really not sure on that. Well, we'll go to the go to the Launch GTS or something like that. You're going to get a little bit lighter shoe. Um, you're going to get a, a more performance-based shoe that's still going to help you out. It's still going to have some of that midsole technology that's going to to help you out. And and just just the, the weight that you're going to to lose on that over the course of a marathon is going to save you some time. Is it going to be three percent? No, but it's going to allow you to race a little bit faster still and you just feel better right you feel lighter you're gonna you're gonna race you know you know if you're put your head in the right spot um and, and i think it can help you from a, a mental standpoint as well all right so uh, my general recommendation is that odds are that recreational marathoners will benefit from a super shoe uh even though i've had a small number of people complain that they felt unstable in the super shoes which we've discussed if you have a severe, severe pronation issue then maybe find something in the middle with a little bit of stability. Even going to the, uh, you know, I'm sorry to use Brooks for my examples here, but that's what I know. Um, the Hyperion Tempo, right? You still have that nice midsole. The stack height isn't as crazy on it. 
um, and it's it's just a more better fitting shoe for some people. Um, we kind of feel a little bit more in contact with the ground, uh, and it might be uh, something that would be a better choice for you right away. And then if you have success with that, maybe try uh, splurging on a pair of super shoes down the road. Um, but if you the so the other thing I would say is uh, if you have a severe pronation issue, like I said, get a shoe that's a little bit of stability, a shoe that's not quite as curved out as what the super shoes would tend to be. Um, you would also want to be aware of heel to toe offset. If you are used to a bigger, a bigger traditional trainer, like an adrenaline, something like that, um, it's probably going to be in the eight to 10, eight to 11 millimeter range offset, um, where you, you your, your heel is going to be eight to 11 millimeters higher than your toe, um, in the back. Right. So it kind of, that's, that's kind of where the, the, um, the zero offset shoes came into play where it was no difference between your heel and your foot, you know, and, you know, we swung, the pendulum swung back and forth a couple of times. We've settled kind of in that six to eight range. I think a lot of trainers are in that six to eight range, but the more stability shoes are a little bit higher. I think the alpha fly and the vapor flies, I think one of them is actually a pretty high stack height as well, or uh, heel toe offset as well. Um, and as far as benefits more heel strikers, right? So if you're landing with your heel first, that's where you're going to be hitting on that. That shoe's going to get, you're going to get the most benefit from that, from that shoe. Um, but if you're used to something in the 10, 11 range, you probably want to stay in that eight, eight millimeter range for a racing flat. Otherwise you definitely run the risk of Achilles and calf issues in the later stages of a race. And if you're, if you're just listening to the audio, um, or watching the video, go to my blog post. I have a couple pictures. If you're not sure like what cur what lasts of a shoe looks like. Um, so I have a picture of three, three lasts of a straight, which you'll find in a true stability shoe, like a Brooks beast or something like that. And then you have a curved last on the other side of that, where that's where you see a lot of racing flats, super neutral shoes, things like that. They're, they're built on a curved last. A lot of the platforms now where you're trying to fit a lot of shoes into one, uh, one, a lot of, see a lot of feet into one shoe type you see a semi-curved last, which is kind of the best of both worlds. Those are the three most, con those are the three lasts that you'll see in running shoes. So if you flip yours over, you can see kind of where you're at. I also have a picture of stack height versus heel drop. What does a stack height mean compared to a, um, what is a heel drop, which is the heel toe offset. Um, and you can, you can see that, right? So um, just get a visual, visual of those. So the bottom line is yes, the super shoe is literally buying fitness, it's buying time, however you want to look at it for a lot of people. Um, for some, they might feel unstable or they don't fit well enough to make that potential benefit worth it. I felt like that. Some of it just didn't fit their foot very well. Um, if that's the case, probably not worth it. The nice thing is that there's been such an overall improvement in technology and shoes over the past few years that you can find something that's going to fit your needs, but also give you a little bit more performance edge than just a regular trainer in the marathon. Um, that's even if you need something with a little bit of stability, you can find something that's going to benefit you that's not just an everyday an everyday trainer. So from my experience, it does take some getting used to being in a super shoe. Um, stack height is more than what I was used to, and it almost felt like I was attempting to walk in high heels, like I said. Um, high heels with springs, I'll say. High heels with springs. It was very odd. Um, but uh, I, I did, after doing a couple workouts in them, uh, it felt okay. It felt manageable, right? You definitely don't want your race to be the first time you uh, strap them puppies on. Um, 
And if you want to go that route, just put, do a small workout on them first. I would say don't do a track workout in them. Just do something on the roads in them. And then do a couple tempos in them, longer tempos, and then make sure you're okay in them. And then from there, if you are, I think you're good to go as far as wearing them in the race. But overall, it does seem like a big percentage of recreational marathoners would benefit from getting a good fitting racing flat that fits their specific needs, right? Um, and uh, so that's where I'm at, right? So I think the vast majority, I think you could argue like, you know, if you're a Clydesdale type runner um, or if you're not really chasing a time, you're just going out there for fun, um, you're just trying to get complete the race, whatever the case is, if you're on that side of things, maybe don't go with a super shoe. Um, the risk might not be worth the reward, might not be worth the extra cost. But if you if you just want to try it, I'm game. Uh, I just think like uh, you are, you know, that sweet spot's really going to be the person trying to qualify for Boston to, you know, the four hour marathonish right in that area is probably going to see the most benefit from it. And then you get into like a 435 hour marathoner, probably not going to benefit those folks as well. Um, the, the cost and the risk to reward ratio probably isn't worth it. Um, but again, that's a personal call, right? If you want to just try it, you can for sure. I mean, it's not like I'm, what I'm saying is set in stone in any case, but, uh, I think for the most part, you're looking at people who are, um, trying to qualify for something or trying to, you know, or if you're just like, like trying for a personal best, and you've done the training and it hasn't just worked out for you. Um, and you know that, you know, that's the one thing that's going to get you over the line. Yeah, sure. Give it a try. Go for there. But for the most part, yeah, I think a lot of recreational runners in that, you know, three to four hour range, which is a lot of people, it's going to be like buying time off. It's like buying a PR, right? Um, and, and that is something that you can definitely do. But it, again, um, yeah. All right. I'll stop. <laughs> I, I know I go on these tangents, so I will stop with that. But I, I do think for a lot of people, it's going to be a big benefit um, as long as you give yourself a couple workouts to to get used to them and uh, and go from there. But even if you don't want to make that big step all the way up to a super shoe and you still want to be on the fence of it, something like, you know, Hyperion Tempo or whatever, There's everybody's got their own version of that. Um, go try them on. Go to a local store. Try them on. Buy them from there too. Don't just try them on and say, "Oh, I'll be back." No, buy them from the super. Buy them from your local store, please. Um, and then uh, and, and and see how it goes, right? I think that's a good good place to start. But I think again, it will benefit the vast majority of runners, especially a lot of the runners listening to me talk. Um, it's going to benefit benefit you. So, all right. So that's my stance on them overall. Uh, let me know what you think. Uh, talk about it in the Facebook group. Talk about it on my community on uh, at LukeHumphreyRunning.com. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'd love to hear uh, how many of you worn them. How, who's decided against wearing them? I'm always interested in that too. And like, how how much do you feel like it helped you improve? That would be all great information. So until next time, I will talk to you later. All right, take it easy, everybody. Oh, and one more thing, sorry. If you are interested in more, go to LukeHumphreyRunning.com. I encourage you to take a look at all our blog posts, everything we have there. We have a free community, which is like Facebook on our own site. You don't have to be on Facebook. Um, but we have a whole forums, 
activity wall, a bunch of stuff there for people to take a look at. Um, if you want access to training plans, if you want access to coaches, but you don't necessarily want an individual coach, which I know can be uh, pricey, we do have the Run Club, which gives you access to all of our training plans. At this time, we have well over 200 training plans, ton of different marathon plans, really a plan to fit any need out there. Uh, and then access to all our coaches, right? So with Coach Melissa, Coach Mike, myself, Coach Alex, Coach Josh, um, we have we have a person in every aspect of the sport. And so it's a great opportunity to be in a group, have access to coaches, and get more out of just buying a training plan and hoping for the best, hoping that you're doing it right. So please check that out. It's LukeHumphreyRunning.com slash membership and you can see all the memberships we offer the free community the run club and the personal coaching um, and take a look at that and see if anything there fits your needs but i encourage you to at least check out the run club i think it's a great option for a lot of people who don't necessarily want to coach or don't really think that they need a coach but need some help with running along the way i'd really like to take that take a look at that so all right now i'll talk to you later have a good week